You're listening to the Arrowhead Live Podcast Network. Thank you, Kansas City. We did it, baby. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to the Aftermath Super Bowl Week Media Week Edition. I am your host tonight, CJ Jones, with my co-host, my brother, my friend, Chris Timpany. Chris, how are we doing on another big day game week, Super Bowl week, baby? Man, less than a week away, and I those nerves start to kick in. I don't care that it's the third time as a fan being here in four years. Like those nerves, those jitters, and you're starting to be like, kind of feels good, get, man. Getting ready to the game, yeah, it feels good. You're getting ready for the game. You just you're almost you're almost at the point to where you're just kind of like over all the talk to it. You just want to see the guys on the field play. But you know, we got to do these things. It's going to be quite the spectacle on media row this week. But uh, I'm excited, man. How you feeling? How you feeling? I'm very excited. I'm pumped up. Like you said, you don't want to peak too early, but there's nothing like being in a Super Bowl, man. It's crazy. Like you said, this is our third time in four years, and this feeling never gets old. Like the jitters and the the energy around the city. Like I've driven around the city the past week and just and the weather's been quite and Casey's been amazing, by the way. Sixty degrees in February. You can't ask for nothing better than that. But just seeing the the people around, you know, everyone getting their stands set up with all their merch they're trying to sell, restaurants that got all these specials going and hotels are booking up and everybody's just either leaving town and go to the game or coming in town to watch it. It's just, it's, it's so dope to see the energy, see the people be truly excited for this moment. And nobody deserves it more than Kansas city for sure. Given anything, everything we've been through the last couple of years. So um, it's, it's such an amazing feeling and a big moment. I'm very thankful that our team and our coaching staff has been in this moment um, three times in the last four years. Cause now we know how to handle it, Chris. We know what to do, what not to do off the field, what media obligations you should and shouldn't agree to. So I'm glad I'm thankful we have a lot of veterans and a lot of people on this staff that have been here in this moment. So we're definitely going to be prepared on and off the field for sure. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing that I don't think it's talked about enough is having been there and prepared. And I think the Eagles have, you know, four to five guys we were talking about that played on that 17 team, but not mm-hmm. I think Chiefs have 17 guys that have experience with the Chiefs and like 22 when you include like the Toonies and whatnot that have experience in general. Exactly. So definitely up in the experience game. But this week we are going to get we're getting into uh, what we normally do. We're going to do some offense, defense kind of matchups, what we like, big injuries, um, and then probably end the episode with a little goat talk. You know, Brady Brady retiring. You know, there's a and Mahomes in his third Super Bowl going for two. That's always a fun conversation. And you never know, maybe sneak in a little uh, free agents and and you know contracts. Never too early, you know. You know, it's never too early. Never too early. Never too early. early. I'm being locked all the timeline. A ton of Super Bowl content, so you know we like to mix it up a little bit. Maybe what not everyone's balance. talking about. So, but <laughs> CJ, first off, let's let's start with the offense. The Chiefs' offense, best in the league, best quarterback, best tight end, best offensive mind. But that Eagles team, what they're ranked second, they led the league in sacks by a wide margin. Like, just how do you see these two teams matching up? It's a it's a good group for when you look at Philly from a defensive line standpoint. They have a Son Reddick, their free agency addition that they added. This summer's been a good guy. He got double-digit sacks. Brandon Graham coming off an Achilles injury, which know, is even man. more impressive and a veteran because I think he's, what, 32, 33 now? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's a veteran. He's, he's older than that. Time, he's been so. around for a minute. He's been around. To be to come off that kind of career-ending injury for a lot of players and have double-digit sacks is very impressive uh, to, to see that for sure. Then you got other guys like um, Sweat, 
And obviously they have other guys that can come in and they rotate and make plays. And they added, added guys in the draft and free agency via Jordan Davis, Lynn Ball Joseph, and Dominic and Sue. Fletcher Cox is the old veteran that's still there. So they're a very deep group up front. They got a lot of guys that can get after the quarterback. But like you said, I think our offensive line is like we've seen everybody you could see this year as far as like defensive line play. We've seen the Chargers twice. We've seen Cincinnati. We've seen Buffalo. We've seen Tampa Bay. We've seen the Chargers. Like there's like no group that this old line or our, our DB group hasn't seen that's good as far as approaching a team from an offensive line standpoint, pass rushers and receivers on DBs as well. So um, I'm very confident in the group that we have. And I don't think anybody's going to be more juiced up at this moment than Andy Reid going against his former team. So I'm excited for this matchup for sure, Chris. For sure. I've seen this floating around a little bit. I wanted to get your thoughts. It's just like, you know, so the Eagles are very impressive defense. I'm not trying to diminish the, the personnel and what they've done this year. But when you look at their schedule and who they've beaten and the quarterbacks they've played, it's it's a little, you know, and part of that's just being the NFC. The NFC isn't isn't great with quarterback talent right now, but it's a, you know, not not a murderer's row. I mean, they did play Aaron Rodgers, but and it's Daniel Jones, Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, you know, Matt Ryan. They played Heineke or Carson Wentz. You know, when they played the Cowboys one time, it was Cooper Rush. Like, is is the numbers maybe inflated a little bit? Or, like, kind of what's your thought on that? Just a tad bit. Like, obviously, you don't want to disrespect any team. Because, like you said, you still got to win the games and play the team right. that's in front of you. And they're in the Super Bowl for a reason. Like, they led the league in sack. It's a good group. And they get after the quarterback for sure with the with the depth they have and the different schemes that they run up front. But at the same time, you also have to be realistic about who you played as far as talent, quarterback talent-wise. I think the only QBs that are legit, like, top 10 as far as, like, or top 12-ish quarterbacks they played were Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers. Everybody else is either rotational guys or guys fighting for their jobs who you don't know who are going to be the starters next year. So, um, And I think those two games when they played Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott, I think both of those games they gave up over 300 or 350 yards passing, if, if I'm not mistaken. So um, when they play the elite quarterback, they, they, they've, they've given up some yards and given up some plays. So I think there's some yards to be had, and I think some plays to be made on this defense, and they've earned the right to be here. So it's not going to be an easy job by, by, by any stretch of the imagination. But I think you give Andy Reid two weeks and Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and this O-line – who's proven time and time again they can get the job done against any defensive line they see at any front. Um, I think they'll come up with a good game plan to move the ball and try to get in the end zone more times than they do. So um, it's going to be a fun matchup. I'm excited. I'm excited for our front. I'm excited for our tight ends and our backs and our receivers to go against this group because Philly's heard it all too, and we've heard the noise. So it's going to be, like Chris said, you probably got to put that ball down and see see who gets the lineup, who's going to make more plays. Yeah, and the teams they gave up over 30 points to was week one against Jared Goff and the Lions. Um, Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott, as we as we mentioned, and then in their first loss of the year, Taylor Heineke put up thirty two. So it's like um, Taylor Heineke, yeah, like so again. The, there's definitely some some points to be scored against that secondary. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the uh, what I mean, the safety play. That's like yeah. I think the one weakness really in this in this uh, Eagles defense is that they're. High safeties aren't as talented. Not to say that those guys are bad, but they're not as talented as you know. You got Slade, Rodri right on the on the corners. You got the D yeah. line that we've talked about. So mm-hmm. I think you can hit them deep, depending on how you're able to match up. And with the Chiefs, you know, wide receiver core being what it is right now, it does scare me a little bit on how they're going to be able to take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's going to be a good matchup. Obviously, because if you're Philly, they like to play a lot of single high this year. They're a predominantly cover three team. They like to put a lot of guys in the box and force you to beat them over the top because they trust their corners. Like Chris said, as far as James Bradbury and Darius Slay, those are two very good guys. That's probably the best combo in the league this year. 
and they've proven it up front. And it's mainly because when you get pressure up front, like we said last week, we seen what it did to the Bengals with Joe Burrow. When you get pressure up front, it makes your job a lot easier as a corner. So they're, they've done a great job of getting pressure on quarterbacks, making it – and their corners are already elite as if they needed any help overall. But when you get pressure along with good coverage on the back end, it makes for a solid defense. And you can kind of cover up some of their deficiencies. Because I agree with Chris, they're kind of weak up the middle as far as like safeties and coverage at times and their linebackers. And those guys are good players. I mean, you don't want to disrespect them ever. But if they had to say a weakness of their defense, those would probably be two of the areas where they're probably not as strong at. But um, definitely some opportunities we can have to, uh, to make some explosive plays. We're going to have to make some plays up the middle, which is where more, most offenses exploit defenses at this time in the league. So um, it's going it's to be an opportunity for our offense to really show what we can do. We're going to have to give a help out a lot to our tackles because I believe Hassan Reddy is going to put a lot of pressure on Andrew Wiley and Orlando Brown, and as, as long with Sweat and those guys as well, they like to get after you and use their speed rushers. So I think we're going to have to chip a lot this week as far as with Pacheco and obviously Jet McKinnon and get those guys to help out, maybe get some screen game going. This is a big week for Noah as well. Because I, I truly like the matchup we have with our tight ends versus their linebackers, Chris. I really like that matchup a lot. That's probably my favorite one to watch this week. Right, yeah. And then the Chiefs are just going to be able to get, I think, a lot of matchups they want. I'm curious how they cover, try to cover Travis. Yeah, I think they're probably going to bracket them, honestly. Yeah, but, but like they just, you know, we talked about this with the Jaguars. Like mm-hmm. the Jaguars didn't really, they have some decent guys, but they didn't really have anyone that could that could blanket him, you know, exactly. and they tried to bracket and stuff, and he was still able to, to torch them. And I think the Eagles, as far as personnel, match up very similar as far as yeah. players in that in that regard. So It would exactly if they put Bradbury on Travis, to be honest, because I don't think they trust – I mean, they got C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who's a good slot defender, Maddox. But those are kind of like smaller guys. Like, I think they're right, both they're like 5'10", like 5'9". Like, neither one of them are like a very overly big. And Bradbury being one of their bigger corners, I expect him to probably get a piece of Travis. But, I, but I'm like you. If they do that, that, then you're exposing guys on the outside, and then you're allowing plays to be made down the field. So I'm actually hoping they actually take him off the outside and put him in the middle of the field because that would open up for freedom some guys on the outside as well. So. And I was going to ask you this later, but we kind of went right into it. Is like that's why for me, I think Juju. Out of all the guys that are injured and may or may not play, Juju is the biggest one yeah. for me. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. needs. You know, those other guys are big, Sneed, Gay, Tony, but it's actually Juju because if they do what you try to say there and bring and bring Bradbury in on Trav, that leaves MVS who's playing very well and Juju outside with you know one of them's going to be slay but the other one's going to be in a favorable matchup and so exactly. they got to win that matchup for you sure take Juju out you know while I like a lot of the things that Tony and and you know Scott can do matchup wise on the defense you know it's a little easier to take them away on the with the way their corners play so I think Juju's a big big injury the guy that I'm kind of watching to see how how it's going to progress on his knee this week no absolutely definitely going to be up to see can he get the treatment and be ready to go on Sunday. It's a big week for other guys like Jody Fortson and Noah Gray as well. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to make plays because, as you said, they're going to bracket and try their best to, to get, take Trav out of the game. We know most defenses have a tough time doing that, even when they know he's the focal point. That's just how creative this offense is with Andy. And Trav just does such a good job of finding zones and realizing if it's man or zone. And Andy and Pat kind of give Trav the freedom to know, hey, should you break this off? Should you run through? And kind of know the difference between what you're seeing pre-snap and post-snap. Because we know they're probably going to have at least four eyes on you any play. So if you can draw coverage away, somebody else can win that one-on-one, whether it be a Noah Gray or a, J- a Juju or a, obviously MVS should continue his trend and play well. And Kadarius Tony had a couple opportunities to make some big catches last week. He just obviously couldn't hold on to the one. But when he gets his hands on the ball, we know how special he is. So And obviously we all heard the news today of Miko Harbin going on IR and Clyde and being activated. So this is another big week for other guys to step up. So 
I'm excited for the matchup to see what guys do, but I'm definitely excited for that middle of the field to see how we attack it because I think that's where Philly kind of know that's their weak point as well. Did that move the needle for you as little as it did me or as much as it did Chief Twitter? Like people, I saw all kinds of people talking about McColl and Clyde today, and it was like, I, I don't think we've been, the Chiefs have been without McColl since, you know, it was like 10 weeks now, beginning yeah. of November or end of October or something like that. And then yeah. Clyde is, even though he's active, like, his two carries, you know, or whatever they do, isn't going to change anything. It's still McKinnon and yeah. Pacheco. So like, it's just news. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, if Tony and Juju also end up being out, which I don't think is they're on track to, but if that does mm-hmm. become the case, then we can talk about that McColl news a little exactly, bit more. Exactly. But didn't really no, yeah, do anything. I don't for think me. you really to put too much stock. McColl's been gone since Tennessee. That's like right. nine or ten weeks from now. So we've kind of been used to that not to not playing with him. Obviously, he made some plays in the Cincinnati game that we appreciated. Helping us get over the top, making some big plays, but yeah, we've kind of adjusted to not playing with Nicole, and we've had, and we kind of know this was the scenario this year. Kind of like we said after this, we may talk about later, like free agency and like draft talk. But we've kind of had to realize during that trade for Kadarius Tony and this being Nicole's last year that this may be the last time we see Nicole in a Chiefs uniform. I hope, I hope it isn't the case. I, I love to have Nicole back under the right circumstances and price wise, of course. But uh, yeah, that that may be the last time we honestly see Nicole, and it kind of sucks for him because. I've, I've got to know Miko off the field personally because I met him a couple of times throughout the city and I know nobody works harder than him to be where he's at now. So for him to be in that moment and not to get an opportunity to get your last hoorah and try to go win a championship, it's definitely kind of sad for him and his family. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely wish he was out there and definitely proud of everything he's done for us. So, but it doesn't really move the needle for us. Neither does Clyde. I mean, we've kind of said since camp, it's going to start off three guys rotation wise by the end of the year, it's going to come down to two. Mm-hmm. And you stick with that one-two punch that's gotten you where you're at. And we know that's been popping Jet, doing their thing, screen, protection, running the ball well, being great for us in the red zone. I think you don't mess up that chemistry the way they're playing right now for a guy that hasn't played in, what, three months? So right. I think Clyde's more like a break the glass in case of emergency type of situation, honestly. It doesn't really move the needle. But you know how Twitter is. Anytime they see a name, they're like, oh, my God. Right. <laughs> Everyone's thinking, oh, is he going to take the job from Pacheco? Is he going to take snap? And he's like, no. Like this, this coaching staff is smart. <laughs> they were already going away from him anyway. Like he's not going to take any meaningful for emergencies. Yeah. He may get a couple carries, like Ronald Jones has the last exactly. couple weeks. But he's got the break or two. Exactly. He's not going to be a vocal point of this offense. All nothing to worry about there. <laughs> last thing I want when I'm talking about the offense before we jump over the other side of the ball. When you look at the teams that Chiefs have played in the Super Bowl, where does this Eagles defensive line rank? Because the Chiefs have gone up some against some fronts, yeah, like that, that Nick Bosa and Van Buckner Van front Van, yeah. on the on the Niners, and then mm-hmm. you know Shaq Barrett and uh, JPP uh, and stuff on on Tampa. I think if you had to say totality wise, I'd probably go San Fran because that team still had to force Buckner on it before he got traded. Armstead, Armstead, Bosa. Uh, what's the other kid I'm missing? Ah, sh- I've got his name. D four technically. Yeah, D four, but they had another. They had another. <laughs> he another play, though, he they had another rotational guy on that team. God, I forgot his name. But yeah, that um, DeForest Buckner got paid like an All Pro. Mm-hmm. Armstead's really good. Nick Bosa's gonna be up for Defensive Player of the Year. So I think if you had to pick one D line, if out of those three, and they're all really good, like Chris said, I would probably pick San Fran as the best one that out of all the all the three for sure. Yeah, it's tough to tell because it starts with the conversation we had earlier on. You know how much is the defensive success a little bit aided by the lack of quarterback play. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man, when you start looking, you know, Hassan Reddick's probably the four, it was probably be fourth the defensive player of the year. I know he wasn't a finalist, but he's probably that first guy that was out with his 16 sacks. You mm-hmm. know what Fletcher Cox can do. 
Uh, Sweat's not going to be playing, right? He's, uh, he's been out, but when he was going, he was pretty good. Like mm-hmm. that, that it's comparable, but I think I'm leaning with you um, a little bit on that Niners. Now, maybe we're disrespecting Tampa Bay, but I think I think we kind of that are like group group. that was a good Shaq Barry, JPP. I think part of it is it's hard to grade is because when the Chiefs were healthy with Schwartz and Fisher that year, yeah, it wasn't exactly. that big of an issue. They blew them well, out. But as soon as the line went out, you know. It's like, I can gauge you, because, but I can't really gauge you. because we. Yeah, it's hard to gauge. So, to back up I mean, those guys had some names. Sue and Vita Vea, like, yeah, they have there's not a wrong answer. They're all good. I'm just, oh, yeah, I think I'm with that. you on where I'm going to, I'm going to roll with the Niners, but it's neck and neck and neck all the way. No, down. absolutely. All, all units are good. And as far as like you, I would probably, and that's another good question as far as like the, because obviously all secondaries are good and all teams make plays. As far as like which which receiving core do you think is best out of all the three? Because they all got some dogs on them. They all got a tandem too. So this is a lot of good groups. I would probably, I know which my answer is, but they're yeah, all Yeah, I'm going Tampa. I'm going yeah, Tampa. Tampa. I said Tampa too. Yeah, I mean, that that team, the team Mike with, with Mike and Evans and is at their primes. Like, and what AB was on that team, Gronk yep, was on that team, yep. Gronk, Goddard. Like, once you start looking at it collectively and a receiving core, they go line up. That's what it takes to get to the Tampa to the Super Bowl. Excuse me. That's why these questions are so tough. Like the other <laughs> teams, everybody's are good. Stacked, everybody's good. Like, for sure, these, these rosters, and so they're very comparable to some of the other teams that the Chiefs have matched up with against. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first time. And this will be a good so great into defense. This will be the first time the Chiefs are going to play a quarterback this mobile in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. How how do you think the Chiefs are going to defend? Because while they have played Josh Allen, that's a different kind of mobile quarterback. You know, yeah. you know, it's it's not quite like what the Eagles do with with Hurts. So what's your initial impression? Absolutely. No, it's a it's a different matchup for sure. But I think Josh Allen and Jalen offer a lot of differences, like you said, but also a lot of similarities as well, mainly because when it's third down and a play breaks down, they can use their legs to extend for first downs. And we obviously know how athletic Josh Allen is. We've seen him a lot. And most Chiefs fans probably aren't too familiar with Jalen Hurts unless you've watched the Eagles games off market or in the primetime slots this year. But he's a guy that can extend the play. He uses his legs a lot. He's probably more involved in their run game from a quarterback design standpoint. The Bills obviously use Josh Allen to run the football too. But I think the Eagles probably base their run game on what Jalen Hurts does. Because if Jalen Hurts is going with their zone reads – and they're obviously their pitch option games, and they try to get involved in RPOs. When he's going in their run game, it makes Miles Sanders better. It makes Boston Scott better. It makes Dallas Goddard better. It makes everybody around them better when they can set the tone with number one running the football. So he's going to be a tough guy to stop, and you got to be on your keys. And it's kind of like we said last week. It's almost like a – not a disrespectful, but it's like a college-style offense because they do so many similarities that you see on Saturdays that you're going to see now this Sunday as well. So um, Jalen Hurts sets the tone for that run game because he when he take him out – the run game is not the same. They don't get the same push. They don't get a lot of the same looks they get on defense. Quarterbacks and defenses know, all right, this guy's not going to get the ball, so we can kind of over-pursue when they do hand it off. But when you have a guy like Jalen Hurts back there, you have to respect it because you know he can pull the game. He can pull the ball out and make a play on the edge with his legs as well. And he's a powerful guy, too. He breaks a lot of tackles. He's a he's a big kid. So um, it's going to be a tough matchup this week. I think this is a good matchup for Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. As we said last week, they're better against the run than they are against the pass. Obviously, that's one of their weaker points. So. Um, it's going to be hard to, to guard Jalen, but you have to stop the run early, as if that's for any defense's first job, but more so this week because they're so, so good at running the football with that offensive line and Jalen. 
Right, they broke the record for most rushing rushing touchdowns in a single season in the NFL. So you know yeah, these guys. Their QB sneak record, like what ninety something percent, it's like crazy. <laughs> you know They're that. It's, it's funny. This is Jason Kelsey started that as a joke, and then as they looked into the numbers, right. it he pretty much serious. hovered between like eighty seven <laughs> and ninety three all year. So like, <laughs> I mean, you can push the quarterback now. So you got a great old line. You got a strong quarterback, and you can give him a shove. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah. almost impossible to stop on third and fourth and short. That's why advantage, you got to keep them behind the sticks because they can run the ball very well. Advantage Eagles and being yeah. able to run the quarterback <laughs> sneak because that's the quarterback sneak is good, man. aren't allowed <laughs> to do still. And that's, <laughs> um, think, that's one hey, thing. I've gone most of the year without complaining about it, but, you know, we brought it up. <laughs> I mean, they but, have it. I mean, they, we'll let them have that one. They can have that one. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the interesting thing I think is, like, all five of the Eagles offensive linemen we're either first or second team all pro. Like this is a group of dogs. Yeah, everybody's good. They're, they're all outside of Jason and Lane. They're all young. So right, right. But here's the other added part about that. In signif, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but in significantly less pass attempts, Jalen Hurts has been sacked like 13 more times than Mahomes. That's crazy. That's crazy. So so and, like, they, and they throw and they run it and they throw it less than us. That's crazy. Yeah, they throw it a lot less. Jalen has missed a few games. And I think the number I, maybe it's four. I think Mahomes has been sacked twenty two times, and, and Jalen's been sacked thirty six times or something like that. But that's that's partially play style, you know, a, a little bit, a little bit play style stuff. With um, I'm sure Jalen rolling out and not being able to just that youth, you know, no one's quite able to yeah. create a play, keep a play alive quite like Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So part of that is Jalen falling into it, but I think part of that is like. This team's number one strength is running the ball. I know AJ and Devonta make some plays and Jalen makes some throws, but top to bottom, offensive line, running backs, quarterback, their strength is running the ball. Absolutely. So if, you can, if the Chiefs do. can stop that, they're going to be successful moving forward because absolutely that's 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 the bread and butter of the that's team. The way and, team moves the ball. They have good players, like you said. Dallas Goddard is one of the better tight ends in the league. I think he just needs to get more respect. Um, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith is a, is a great tandem. Quez Watkins, their wide receiver three, makes plays at time for them. Like to run. <laughs> and then you, basically Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jalen Hurts. Like they have guys that can make plays with the ball in their hands, but at their core, they want to run the football. That's why this matchup is kind of similar to if we were playing somebody like a Buffalo. The arm talent, obviously, of Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen is not nearly the same. Like Josh Allen's mm-hmm. arm is arguably the strongest in, in the league. He can throw the ball 100 miles an hour if he wanted to. But when you look at a team that wants to run the football and establish it up front and using their quarterback involved in that run game, getting them behind the sticks. See, when you play team, when you play quarterbacks like Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, they get behind the sticks. You can't take a breath because they can still dart you for 20, 30 yards because they're just that special inside, outside the pocket, the arm talent, the arm angles they can throw at. They're just that good. With a guy like Jalen Hurts, he's a good quarterback. He's had a great year. If you get him behind the sticks in like maybe second and long, third and long, that's not where they want to be. That's not as the strength of the core of what, like Chris said, they want to run the football. So obviously they can make plays with a passing game, not to say like he can't throw the ball at all. He can still beat you, but getting that team a second along the third along, they're just not as comfortable as they would be if it was second and five or like third and four. That's where they really want to be. Right. And that's what worries me a little bit or not necessarily worries me, but like it's hard to gauge Jalen because he's very, yeah. he deserves all the, you know, he's probably going to be second in the BP. He's probably, you know, someone's probably going to give him a vote or two and prevent Mahomes from being unanimous. Like that's the kind of season Jalen's had, though. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, when I'm watching him, it's like he does a lot of things well, and I can't gauge the emotional leadership that he provides. But as far as just straight quarterbacking, 
there's some holes in his game. There's some things that he just can't do that some of these other elite quarterbacks can do from the pocket, especially when they're behind the sticks or they're behind. You know, this team is not built to play from behind very well. And uh, if the Chiefs can get out to a lead and kind of force put all that pressure on Jalen, I think that's kind of the key to to this game. No, absolutely. This is a team that obviously they can run the ball with a lot of zone read options. They can do RPOs and use Miles Sanders to get him going with those zone schemes and try to maybe get some QB sneaks, do QB powers, to try to get Jalen on the edge. But if you get them in second and third and longs and force Jalen to put pressure, because honestly, we saw this style last week. I mean, you pointed out Jalen's bottom 12 in the league when it comes to being blitz and a dicing up the blitz when he gets pressure put in his face. So he's a guy that obviously he can make throws when need be, but he's not the best quarterback when you think of like the the Joe Burrows, the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes is when they see blitz, they usually kill it because they're just that good at right. recognizing pre-snap, post-snap, where's the safeties, how they're rotating. Not to say Jalen doesn't do that stuff. Well, he can do it, but like Chris said, that's probably – you got to point out a weakness in your game. That's probably one thing that Jalen doesn't do as well as the elite quarterbacks in the league. If you get him in those second and third and longs, he won't be as comfortable reading the coverages. He may be reading a position too long, reading the safety, reading the corner, not knowing how the defense is rotating. That's why I expect Spags to give him a lot of confusion pre-snap and post-snap, mainly because you want to mug up the run game, putting multiple guys in the line of scrimmage and maybe drop out to try to make, make him think, that, oh, are we coming, are we not coming? to try to force him to make a mistake, to have to process the game faster. I think Jalen's a great quarterback, like Chris said. He's having an amazing year. I don't think he can process defenses and coverages like the other quarterbacks we just mentioned at that level. I'm not saying he can get there one day, but as Chris said, today I think that's the one weakness of his game that I would point out. Yeah, no, I'm with you. But jumping to the receivers, like, if you're Spags, how are you defending them? And this is a team that, like, their Mm -hmm. duo is is one of the better duos, probably third best duo in the league, you know. And that's why I've said it all year, Chris. How are you I'm so thankful? But like the roster we played this year, and the, and the obviously the matchups. Well, I mean, let's let's go down who we face this year. We're talking about schedules: Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. We've seen them. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. We've seen them twice. Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. We've seen them twice. Which is a lot like these two. Yeah, exactly. Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin. We've seen them. Who else have we seen this year? We played the Niners with Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. So honestly, from a from a talent standpoint. There's no receiving core we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. And obviously we've seen how this group looks as far as like from a number standpoint, pre and post Trent McDuffie in the lineup. I think since Trent McDuffie's been back, Chris, we haven't allowed a 300-yard passer. So this this defensive group has been very, very good since they got their guy back. So, And you have two veterans. Well, I know we're not calling them rookies anymore. Shout out to Spags and the defense. But <laughs> since Trent McDuffie's been back in the lineup, and then you got LeJarrius Sneed, who we hope is active, you have two guys you're very comfortable playing on a number one receiver. And we saw DK Metcalf. I forgot about that matchup as well. Him and Tyler Lockett. So we've seen every kind of receiver you can imagine. And A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are very good. Devontae Smith being the route runner, a very slippery, slender receiver, is probably more of a speed guy. A.J. Brown, arguably one of the best, if not the best, run-after-catch receivers in football. You give him a slant or anything going across the middle, he'll probably break a tackle and gain another 15, 20 yards. He's just that special. But I like the matchup if we put Sneed on A.J., and then I would honestly like it if we put Trent McDuffie in the slot on a on a Devontae Smith, and you can kind of swap them at times. But um, Jalen Watson and Josh Williams have played big in some of these moments, Chris. So I don't think either one of those guys, I have no doubt and have no really worry in my mind if we matched up either one of them with A.J. Brown and allowed Snead and Trent to kind of cover the other guys and roll our coverage towards A.J. Obviously, you got to worry about um, Dallas Goddard. Big guy, very athletic. But uh, I'm very confident in our corners going against A.J. and Devontae for sure. We've We've seen the best, like, and not not to discredit AJ and Devontae, there's some receiving core that are better than them too. 
and we've seen them and we've handled our business accordingly. So, yeah. And the, the depth doesn't scare me as much. The, the, and the, while Devonta has been great, and I think he's almost underappreciated at this point. AJ is the one that can hurt the chiefs. And it's, and it's because Sneed's in concussion protocol. He hasn't been cleared mm-hmm. and B McDuffie's five ten. and he's a small guy and AJ's a big physical guy. So if Sneed can't go, as much as I've really enjoyed and appreciated watching Jalen and, and Josh Williams develop and play most well, that still scares me in the Super Bowl, man. AJ Absolutely. Brown is you know either he's going to be on the undersized McDuffie, or he's going to be on a fourth rounder from D two or a seventh rounder that was working at Wendy's. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm just being I'm just being real. Like that scares me. That scares me a little bit. Even though those guys have played extremely well. Um, AJ Brown being there's just times where that man is just able to break tackles, go up and get it, you know, get like I, he's just one of the most complete receivers in the league. And if the and if the Eagles do get behind and they do have to throw it, um, he he could be there, he could be the reason they're able to get back into the game, even though you know they want to run first. But like AJ Brown is still a nice little answer if they need to be in that situation. No, that's absolutely. what scares me. That's what scares absolutely. me. He's a guy that can beat you any moment he touches the ball. He's a special guy. Like I said, he's arguably the best after the catch because he's just so strong oh and so physical, like you mentioned. He's just a monster. Boy, but like a tight end. Boy, at times. He basically is like a, a smaller tight end. So, right. And I think the only reason I would like to match up with Jalen and Josh because they're more physical too and they're bigger guys. So, obviously – and we saw that height come into play when Jamar Chase tried to catch that sail route and he couldn't even see the ball because Josh was standing right in front of his head and the right. ball just hit him in the helmet. So, Well, and there, well, but then there is also the T. Higgins play yep. where decent coverage – T. Higgins six five went up and got he's it. AJ Brown can do the same thing to you. Exactly. So like, you're not going to be perfect. He can make plays. It's going to be a good matchup. He's a good yeah. matchup. So. That's that's just you know again number one priority is stop the run. Number two is don't let eleven, which is AJ Brown, beat you. Don't let him go off facts. He's a he's a, he's a big time player for so, sure. Absolutely. But on the flip side, I've been telling telling all my friends asking for parlays and stuff to take the Dallas Goddard over. Because I think the tight end may may get some yards. Like I think both tight ends could have days. Yeah, yeah I think both tight ends could have, have a good day. day. Absolutely, and he loves to throw the ball to Dallas Goddard because that's more yeah. of a quarterback friendly system. You know, run game, get the ball on the edge, hit Dallas Goddard in those intermediate short flat routes, maybe some deep overs, like you said, to get him in the ball on the edges to let him just use his speed and size. So, no, it's, it's going to be a good matchup for sure. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great game plan. I'm excited to see what Spags does. Dude, and, and we haven't even mentioned him yet, but. Chris Jones coming off his game last week, man, like playing like a monster. He's he, you know, he in that Super Bowl the Chiefs won. Yeah, he didn't have a sack, but he tipped three passes and was in the backfield a lot and was a big part of why that defense was able to allow the offense to make that comeback was because of Chris Jones' play. What are you expecting from from this man? I think Chris Jones is going to be highly motivated. I expect them to see a lot of double teams per usual. Landon Dickerson, we got Jason Kelsey. Those guys are going to keep at least four arms on Chris at all times. You don't want to let him dominate a game. So this is going to be a great opportunity for guys to step up, i.e. Frank Clark, George Karloftis. And arguably this may be, out of all the offensive line we've seen, this may be the best one we've seen this year. Like This is a, is a really good group. They're athletic. Um, the they're very, so, yeah. they're very, I mean, this is the best, as far as I'm concerned, it's the best offensive line in the league. That's so. what I'm saying. This is probably the best. And there, there's been a lot of good ones we've seen, but this one is honestly, if you think of like run game wise and passing game wise, this group is really, really good at, at getting movement up front when it comes to running the football. So, like I said, they have a lot of guys up front. Um, Jason Kelsey and Creed Humphrey are probably 1A, 1B as far as centers in football. So, you're not going to get too much better um, 
calls up front as far as getting protections right than these two guys in this game. So this may be a great game for O-line play on both sides of the ball. So um, I, I expect Chris to see a lot of double teams. I expect yeah, Jordan to have his one-on-one opportunities, like per usual, Carlos and Frank. And I don't know, me and Chris were talking about this off air. I don't know what it is about Frank, man. When he turns into January, February, I guess the air just smells a little different. I guess there's blood in the water. He just turns into a whole different man and a whole different player when it comes to the playoffs. So if Frank can keep that going, if Frank is pressure early, that'll let me know what kind of game this is going to be. Honestly, because right. I, I expect them to run the ball at him, which is honestly Frank's one of the better one of the better edge setters in the league. And I know we all oh, he's great at pass it. rushing. Yeah, he's great at setting the edge. So if we can keep the ball in between the tackles, and Nick Bolton, who loves to play against the run, that's his strength. <laughs> this could be. I'm expecting a Nick Bolton masterclass, like 12, 15 tackles type game. That's what I'm expecting from Nick Bolton this week. It's going to be on him and Willie Gay to help us get to where we want to be this week. Yeah, I can see it. And, you know, it's funny. I, I was looking for clips about people talking about the Chiefs defense in, in a negative manner, and you can't really find them right now. This Chiefs defense, after what they did to the Bengals and how they've been able to play over this last, you know, six, seven weeks, it it's not has not gone unnoticed. There's a lot of confidence in the way this Chiefs defense is playing, and it's, it's kind of crazy considering at the start of the year when you lose – you know, Tyron, you lose all these guys and then you bring in all these rookies to replace them. And then McDuffie, it's like, is this defense going to be any good? And like we always see with Spags, they're really hitting their stride right now at the perfect time. And I'm excited to see how they defend this very explosive, very exciting Philadelphia Eagles offense. Absolutely. It's going to be a great test for this defense. I'm excited. I think I would probably be a little more juiced up, obviously mainly because we know how what type of pressure this team can put on your offense. But given the way 9-5 has been playing, Chris, and the way I, – I don't know what it is, but Nick Bolton lights up when teams run the football. Whenever we play like a Derrick Henry, whenever we play like the run-heavy team, like even like the San Fran game, like whenever – or like the Raiders this week, this year, who like to run the football a lot, Nick Bolton turns into a different man when he gets those downhill teams that like to come straight at him. Because coming out of Missouri, that was his strength. Like, hey, he's a really good run-stopping linebacker, but he kind of struggles in pass coverage. So I think this is the type of game that he's going to be juiced up for. So I'm excited for this matchup this week. So the other thing I wanted to get into about this game – or real quick, do you have any other takes on on offense, defense, real quick, before we jump to – Just one more thing. Uh, Dallas Goddard is going to be huge for this game as well. I expect to see a lot of Brian Cook on him. Size, athletic, can cover those guys. He's seen Trav in practice, so think of Goddard as he's getting the jersey this week. Like, we got to cover him. So I expect that to be a good matchup for him this week. And he I was came off a big game versus Hayden Hurst. So expect gotcha. Okay, so not Reed. So you think not? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I would definitely put Brian. Yeah, Brian. His close. You there was a. I think you posted a clip. His closing speed from the backside hash to the flat, bar none. So yeah, yeah. I would definitely expect to see Brian Cook on on Dallas okay. for sure. Absolutely. All right. I, I like it. I like it. Definitely something to keep an eye out. I didn't want to get into to the GOAT talk, if you will, just because, yeah, you know, Tom, Tom Brady retired. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking, you know, there's this post going around of, you know, passing it to Mahomes. Mm-hmm. If Mahomes wins this, he wins the Super Bowl, he'll obviously be on a very short list of guys that have won two or more Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Regardless on if he's able to keep going, is there a path to where Mahomes ever can, like, claim the GOAT title in your mind? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you never want to peek ahead too early. You want to keep – and I think right. if you ask Pat, they would say focus on the task at hand. But um, obviously, yeah, there's a path because obviously 
as far as like we know Tom Brady to be the most accomplished quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think if you ask a lot of um, veteran players who played in this league or even fans who were able to appreciate Joe Montana in his day or even Dan Marino, some people think Joe Montana is the best quarterback ever. And it's not even to say like he won as much as Brady because no one's ever going to have that much consistency or that much stability to win. I mean, Tom Brady went to 10 Super Bowls mm-hmm. with, with two teams or, or, or nine to one with, with New England, nine in New England. And then obviously he won seven, but six being there. But to go to nine Super Bowls in, in any organization is crazy. Like, you know how hard it is to get to a championship? To do that nine times, and he, like that's just ridiculous. So I don't ever see anyone going to that many championships because it's just so hard to get there. To do it mm-hmm. nine times is ridiculous. And they took a drought because I think they went in, 2011, in 2007, and then they stopped and then didn't go again until 2011. So they took like a four-year drought to get back. So um, it's, it's, it's hard to get to a championship. Um Honestly, I could I could see like obviously if Pat wins this one, this will be two for him, then that'll mm-hmm. be two for three, and then obviously he would be hitting his prime, which is crazy, like hitting his stride because he's twenty seven now, so he'll be twenty eight by the time the next season starts. And you know that twenty seven to thirty era is when the quarterback really starts like, all right, I've seen it all, I know everything, I'm in my prime, I'm in my stride now. So um, he could he could definitely have an opportunity to get to a couple more of these bowls, man, and try to and try to hang up a couple more banners for the for the Arrowhead and Chiefs Kingdom. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what where this. Because he's in a ten, he had a ten year contract, Chris, and we're in what he signed it in twenty. So we're in what year three of that contract extension, yeah. at least. So um, we still got a lot, a lot more football to play. It'll be a lot. It'll be very interesting. And I'll probably like start to reflect on this by the time he hits thirty, because then they'll see like, all right, he's at the midway point. How much time mm-hmm. does he really have left in the league? Like as far as other guys around him, like Travis and Andy Reid and guys we put around him, but he has an opportunity to do something special, man. Going to three Super Bowls in four years and. Chris, we really should have been in four or five of these. We're being honest. But I'm not going to reflect. I'm going to be nice today. Um, he, he has an opportunity to do something really special. It's it's hard to get to a Super Bowl, and I still can't imagine we're already in his third one, and he's not even 28 yet. So it, it's, it's going to be a lot, a, lot, a lot more fun for Chiefs Kingdom for years to come. We have a lot, a lot of opportunities left in front of us. I know this is going to sound uh, blasphemous coming from a Chiefs fan. I don't think there's a path to where he's regarded as the GOAT. He may be considered the best football player that we've ever watched, but he's never going to be considered the GOAT. Mm-hmm. Unless he wins like ten of these things, I don't even <laughs> think seven does it. Because we're all sports fans, we all you've seen the LeBron, Michael Jordan conversation, correct? And mm-hmm. I, I lean more on the LeBron side, but I, I never got to see Jordan play. I get the argument six and zero oh and all, you know, all the fame and everything. Can you imagine what the Jordan backers would say if Michael Jordan was two and zero oh in series against LeBron James? Yeah. It would be like it'd be over. Like like the the conversation there would be, you know. That's what Brady is. Brady's two and zero against Mahomes. We can talk about, you know, whose fault or give excuses or why that's the case. It is what it is, man. At the end of the day, Brady is two and zero against Patrick Mahomes. And that can't go away. And you know, people have seen it. There's that overlap. You know, we as Chiefs fans that are gonna feel different already do feel different. We're gonna scream about D Ford and we're gonna scream about offensive line health until we're blue in the face, but on a national standpoint, like all that, that's going to be the difference. And so that's why in my mind, unfortunately, there's never going to be the goat, you know, he's never going to be, you know, the the greatest of all time or whatever you want, you know, however that like the Wayne Gretzky is the, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron. I don't think that's able to be there. Yeah. Now is that next step above like an Aaron Rodgers, like, you know, before Mahomes Rodgers was the guy that was like, Oh, he's the best we've ever seen play football. Mm-hmm. Now I think Mahomes will take it to that next level because we'll actually have the championships. But 
that two and that zero and two against Tom Brady, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, and I was like, I don't like we said. I don't think anyone's ever going to catch Brady as considered the most. Like no one's ever going to be that that accomplished. It's just it's so hard to get to a Super Bowl, and he did it nine times in New England, yeah. and then just went to another team and did it again his first year there. So I don't expect anyone to go to nine nine Super Bowls is freaking. There's organizations that can't even get to nine. He did it just him. And Brady's won more Super Bowls it. than any organization. Exactly. So, like, that's never going to be replicated. Like, for those 20 years, from 2000 to 2020, they dominated for those for those two decades. So, I don't expect anyone to ever duplicate that amount of success because it, it's just too much cap space, talent coming in and out the league. Quarterbacks are good. Our division's growing. Um, it's just a lot of great players in, in this league that are coming in and out. So, I don't ever expect Pat to even get even think about it. And I, would, I pray to God I'm wrong. I hope he does. But right. <laughs> it's just so hard to get to nine Super Bowls, man. It's so hard. So, even if when it, even if when it's all said and done, Pat somehow got to five or six of these and he finished with three or four, I think it would be a conversation of, hey, he may not be the most accomplished. We know that. Is he the most talented ever? That would be a – because in the big moments, we know how Pat plays in the Super Bowl. Obviously, his first game being we started off a little slow, but then the second half we picked it up a lot. And obviously it was kind of a, a disappointing performance based off the injuries and the situation that we dealt with versus Tampa. But I think Pat more than anyone wants to prove and shut up that narrative like, hey – you only won because of the mistakes by San Fran. If he would have caught the ball, you guys. I think nobody wants to play better in this moment than number fifteen. So I think if we if we get to this moment on Sunday, I think fifteen is going to show the world who he is, and he's been doing it all year, even with a hurt ankle. So I expect him to have a big moment and go out there and prove himself to show I am the big dog and this is my league. So I think he's going to take that mantle that Brady allegedly passed to him. I think this is the time for fifteen to go out there and show the world who he is. No, no, for sure. And I think Michael Parsons actually said it best because when you're looking at this game and you're trying to predict who's going to win, you look at the Eagles roster, you look at everything, what they've mm-hmm. been able to accomplish, and you're like, that's the better team. And Michael Parsons is like, I'm picking the Eagles it, the Eagles to win until it ain't them to win because 15's on the other side. You know, it, everything points Eagles as far as health, as far I as like success, like as far as roster. But – there's that man on the other side. And we haven't even talked about the ankle, so I don't really even think that's much of an issue mm-hmm. that he can just will things to happen. And, like, has there ever – I was looking at this. There's a list of, like, the best – you know, ranking the last, like, 15 Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. And even though the Bucks chiefs one was terrible, it was still, like, ninth on this list. You know, eighth ninth. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, have you ever had so much fun watching – like, obviously, Chiefs fans, is terrible. But, like, if you're just a neutral fan, I don't know if there's ever been a more enjoyable blowout where you just see this dude running around making these crazy throws and stuff. Making like, the craziest just, call of throws ever. <laughs> that's just what 15 gives, man. That's just oh, what that's he does. I, th- I, think he's, I think he's juiced up for this one, man. Because, obviously, the last two times we've been in this game, he played well in the second half, and then obviously our – and we remember the moment where he went over to the sideline telling him, you got to hit me. So the mm-hmm. team gets juiced up for big games. And oh, I think I kind of I kind of liked it. I was telling a lot of my friends, I like it when teams doubt us and get disrespected and say, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be here. Because, I mean, Chris has been on theme all year. The day the Tyreek Hill trade goes down, we're not going to win the division. Some people say we're not going to make the playoffs. Then we get into the season, oh, well, you're not going to be better than the Bills or the Bengals. We're the last man standing at the end of this year. Then they say you get into the playoffs, oh, well, you're not going to beat the Jaguars. You're going to get upset. Or you're not going to beat Joe Burrow. He owns you. Now it's the Eagles have the better roster. They have the better D line. They have the better run game. They have a better receiver. I'm like, okay, who has a better quarterback? Yeah, but that doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, so now it doesn't matter. Okay, okay. I, I like the narrative. Like they keep the same energy, Chris. I like it. It's been the same theme all year. So why would it change now? It's gonna make it's gonna make for that much of a better story when it's all said and done. Dude, it'd be crazy. The NFL's in so much trouble. 
if on the rebuild year. Like, I know. They can't get rid of us because guess where the draft is this year? I know. It's going to be in Kansas City. <laughs> They're tired of hearing about Kansas City. You're going to have to deal with us for a long time, people. Man, it's just – it seems to pop up everywhere as as we go through the years, man. It's been awesome. Um, I'm expecting a hell of a football game. We're going to get to our picks here in a minute, but real quick, CJ was begging me, and I think it's a good good talk. We did want to get a little free agency stuff in because that hey, win or lose, if if a win, free agency start talks Thursday. If we lose, free agency talks ten thirty that night. Like, <laughs> so it's around the corner for either way. So you know, it's at least worth worth bringing up. Um, the Chiefs are in a good position. As we know, there's there's a few key picks. players, uh, you know, receivers as far as Juju and McColl, what to do with Orlando Brown, uh, McKinnon, you know, as, as he played himself into a bigger contract. Mm-hmm. What's what's the number one thing you're intrigued about with the Chiefs offseason? I would say how do we handle the – obviously the, the, the big one for me would be the, um, the Orlando Brown situation because obviously we know that's a um, – we offered him a contract at the beginning of the year. Him and his representation turned it down, and then he took the he took the tag that we offered, and now we have another similar situation this summer. Are we going to offer him another tag, or are we going to offer him an extension? Um, I think me and Chris have probably talked about this multiple times. I would lean towards giving him another franchise tag. Orlando's had a, a decent year. I wouldn't say he's been elite. I wouldn't say he's been the worst in the league either. I think he's been average at best. I think most Chiefs fans would agree with that, depending on who, which ones you talk to. But uh, I think Orlando Brown Jr. probably gets tagged another time. And then he probably obviously is going to see what the market looks like. But I think we tag him for a second year in a row. And then we'll see how that leads for us towards other moves as far as like re-signing Chris Jones, luxurious needs and those things. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something to watch. You know what's cra- – and I literally just saw this, so you can tell me if I'm crazy and I can edit this out. But it's probably crazy anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about Sneed a lot on the corner just because of what we've seen from from Williams and Watson and McDuffie. and. Mm-hmm. Is there a world where the Chiefs trade Snead for a left tackle? I'm not. I don't be mad at that. But what left tackles on the market? That yeah, yeah. Will, that's the thing. Is that's available. why I just thought of it. I don't know who's yeah. out there. I don't know who's like. Here's an interesting. And, and there'd be a little bit more than just a corner, like especially with a expiring contract. But Tampa Bay is going to be in a real rebuild, rebuild mode here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And Tristan Worf's contract's expiring. Now that may not be a Snead trade. That may not be a sneak trade because, again, they're both have would be one left deal. That'd be more of a picks and, you know, some other kind of trade. But, like, yeah, that's a guy to monitor if a team hey. – I'm sure there's a couple guys like that out there. Absolutely. Um, the they they so. should be should be in a selling mode. I'm not saying that they are. I'm not right. speaking for the, the organization down there in Florida. But if Tampa Bay is – if guys are available for the right price, like Chris said, Tristan Wharf's come on down, buddy. Well, I don't care what we got to do. If we and get it, that monster in the building, whoo. And it could even be like a, a picks thing, too. Like you trade Snead yeah. to like like the Bears or I don't – you know, some, and you get a couple picks back and now you have an extra picks to pick in your pocket yeah. to trade for a Werfs. Or, again, these Absolutely. are just – this is just hypothetical stuff. Yeah, just I love Legereus Snead. I want Snead backward. Just, just thinking. But, but yeah. the history of developing corners, the three you already have on your roster for you, super we, cheap – we do it every year. So. It, it wouldn't be a terrible idea to at least explore that route. Not even just no, absolutely. And, even not, just and honestly, I think if you ask most Chiefs fans, most Chiefs fans probably don't know who Tristan Wars is unless you watched them played it in the past couple of years. Oh, no, he's in that Super Bowl, man. 
I mean, like, I mean, most fans don't know who. When you take their helmets off, they're like, oh, that guy. But if I said the name Tristan Worth, like, who is that? They're probably Googling it right now. Tristan Worth, arguably the best right tackle in football outside oh, of Lane yeah. Johnson in Philly, yeah. who will be playing this Sunday. Tristan Worth is a young lineman who's a dog. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I want LeJarrius Sneed to snag. I, I love Sneed. I want him to resign. I want him to get his money because he's earned the right to be here. And we've developed him from where he came when we drafted him. So, and we've developed so many other great DBs. Did the same with Ward. Did the same with Peters. Did the same with We've developed DBs at a great level with Dorsey, and we've done it with Beach. So we've always done a great job of finding DBs. So I wouldn't be – I'm not, like, saying, like, the hell's on fire. I'm going to, like, burn everything down if we let Snead go. Obviously, that's how a lot of people felt when they brought up the dumbest question of should we resign Chris Jones. I bet y'all pre- feel pretty dumb asking that question yeah. after what he done this past week. But um, uh, when it comes to getting a guy like Tristan Wars in the building – a guy that's an elite right tackle. His feet are great, strong. A guy that can't really be moved. He's great in the run game, great in pass pro. If you get a guy like that in your building, I wouldn't be. I would. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for me if we had to give up Snead to make that happen. Honestly, because like given what Chris said, the, the way we find and develop DBs, especially corners, if you get a guy like Tristan Wars in the building, I don't think fifteen is never going to get touched. Respectfully, well, <laughs> you get that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's no, like no, you're it's, good, not, good. it's not even a Tristan like that. That's best case scenario. Yeah, packaging some picks somewhere, using those picks to. That's best yeah. case scenario. But mm-hmm. like even just getting more draft picks and opening more, you know, cap space because you're not going to sign this corner to a new deal. Like even if you don't get a proven player in, there's still a lot of perks to trading Snead. Yeah, That's absolutely. Because awesome. this class, obviously, for right tackle is very deep, Chris. There's a lot of guys that we could go after. I don't know if there's a there's a possible I don't know if there's like a Tristan Wars day one. Those guys are at the top of the draft, but at the back end of the first, early second, there's some guys that are available that I think we could get that could come in and be day one starters given the opportunity for sure. Yeah. That's just and that's just how the Chiefs operate. I mean, they traded yeah. Hill. You they, always gotta be one step ahead, man. Yep. With the Hill picks, they were able to get McDuffie more and I think Kennard, which it didn't didn't work out this year. Out. Yep. But um, you know, those are two those are two guys that we're talking about every every week on here and, and more Absolutely. in McDuffie. Absolutely. Um, you always got to so be thinking everything has to be on it. Obviously, like the non-negotiables, we know Chris Jones is getting an extension. We know his deal is getting done. Yeah, um, that, obviously, we know the, the outcome is probably we're going to tag Orlando Brown because I don't think he's played his way into a deal by any right. stretch of the imagination. And then, obviously, there's some guys, like Chris said, off air. Miko Hartman's last year of his deal. What do we do with him? Juju's on a one-year deal. Juan Thornhill last year of his deal as well. Um, there's going to be some options to make. I think outside of Chris, who we know is going to get an extension, there's it, like Snead is kind of on that. He's on that on that middle line. Like, should we bring him back? Could we not? If the value's there, you have to think about it. It's not an obvious situation either way, but it's definitely a, a like like Chris said, it's a thought when you're trying to improve mm-hmm. your roster. Um, certain guys are untouchable and certain guys aren't. I don't think Snead is in the untouchable category yet. Yeah, no. I think he's teetering that line. He's like, we do need him, but could we move on? It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. So, absolutely. Yeah. I think the Chiefs have proven that there's three untouchables. I thought there were. I thought there were four. We Me learned too. that there at the beginning I that agree. there were three: Chris yeah. Jones, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes. And three. before we can talk about anything that's going to happen, the first stone that has to drop is how much money is Chris Jones getting? Because absolutely untouchable he's for sure. He's has he still technically has a year left, but no more guaranteed money. That you don't. You're not a top three defensive player. Of the year you take, you take one year left when you do playing out a one-year deal like he's getting a new contract absolutely he's played like a dpoy he should right once you know the numbers there the rest of the dominoes fall do we have money to you know need right, still got a year two but do we yep. extend Snead to mm-hmm. bring back juju to bring back mckinnon 
Yep. Can we franchise tag Orlando Brown? Like all those mm-hmm. other dominoes that fall, the money that they give CJ is going to be the first first Absolutely. domino. And he's earning. He's played like it. And obviously, he's he's a guy that's not showing any signs of slowing down by any stretch of the imagination. And honestly, when you extend a guy like Chris Jones, it allows us to, like you said, our money stretches out now so we can have more money to extend Snead if we choose to. If Juan Thornhill wants to come back, tag Orlando Brown. Is there a world where maybe Miko takes a discount and decides to come back? There's a lot of options we have to be flexibility-wise once you get Chris Jones's money done, because that's the big domino. Once you get his money set in stone, you can extend other guys on the roster. So, And Frank Clark is going to need a reconstruction deal as well. So, And obviously we know how he's played in the playoffs. I'm sure he wants to stay in Kansas City as long as possible. So um, there's a lot, a lot of options we have to do um, after Sunday, man. There's a lot of things we're going to be thinking about. But it's going to make it that much sweeter if we're going down to Union Station, Chris, and we're holding up that Lombardi, man. It's going to make it that much more fun. Talking to the offseason is way more fun when you're winning. So. Uh, we got to go out there. We got to handle the business, man. Job's not finished. We're almost there, Chris. We're Job's not there. finished. Job's not finished. And full disclosure, like on Chris Jones' money, Aaron Donald got three years, 95 mil, 65 million guaranteed after his Super Bowl performance. Now, even though I think Chris Jones has had a better year than Aaron Donald, I don't know if he's quite worked that kind of money, but mm-hmm. it's going to it's gonna be at least in that ballpark. Yeah. There's going to yeah. be, an, there's going to be probably an eight next to next yeah, to that deal <laughs> three year 80 80 mil might be what yeah. we're looking at he'll, so. he'll be making somewhere close to almost 30 mil a year yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. it's going to be a high number um and he's and, he, so. and he's worth every penny <laughs> worth every penny. if he gets a moment like aaron donald did where he gets the point on his ring at the end because he made the game winning sack maybe that number does have a nine next to it at the like you know it'll just be something interesting to monitor for sure it's definitely it's definitely it's always a balance of like we the team the team in the front office wants to save money. Players want to get paid. Right. The ultimate goal is we want to win. And if we're winning, right. you got to pay, man. You're winning. When you're winning, you got to pay. For sure. All right. Last thing before we get out of here: Super Bowl score predictions. What are you feeling? It's gonna be a spicy one, man. It's gonna be the game. I'm excited. Uh, I think it's gonna be a close game for sure. I don't see either team really separating too much from the other uh, outside mm-hmm. of the end. Um, I think the over under is it still at 50 and a half or is it? Yeah, it's still 15 and a half. Is that 15 and a half? And And the spread is is, uh, Philly minus one and a half. half. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely think the Chiefs cover the spread. Uh, I would say Chiefs win. How about we got 23 last week? Mm, I'm going to go Chiefs 28, Eagles 24. Okay. I'm, I'm I I like the Eagles twenty four. Hmm. I'm giving the Chiefs thirty four because you heard at the beginning the quarterbacks that have scored thirty are the only good quarterbacks they played this year. That's my thing. If I thought about thirty, and that's why I was like teeter on that on that twenty eight. Yeah, thirty four. If, 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 if I agree with you on the thirty part, if we do score thirty, it's going to get ugly for them. That's in my opinion. If we yeah. score, I think they try to keep it close and try to run the ball, keep us off the field. If we score more than thirty, like you, Chris, like it's we're going to beat them by ten. That's a fact. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I, I like I the think, way the predictions we have. Yours is more like high scoring. Mine's is more like a back and forth. I think yeah, it's going to well, be like ours, the, Mine will still be a back and forth. I don't think it's like 34-17 in the Eagles. Yeah, they like the carpet time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like 31-24, Chiefs kick a late field goal. You know? Separate, yeah. Yeah, separate. Like some, something like that. Like I think it'll be a good competitive game. These teams No, for sure. But I, I agree with you. I said that to my friends this week. If we score over 30, we're, we're winning. Yeah, I, I think so. That's, that's, that's how I feel. I don't. That's I don't think they're cool. built to really score thirty four, thirty five points with us, honestly. Except for turn, you know, turnovers and special teams plays. You know that obviously play a clean game, scoring yeah. out of whack. Absolutely, but we have we have to play, keep a clean game for sure. Clean if game. We, if we get a lead on them, like 
a seven point lead, a ten point lead on them. Yeah. Like we said, I don't know if that offense really to score at the tempo because getting Jalen Hurts and that team in obvious passing situations where they have to throw the ball and they can't really use their run game as much as they want to. Getting Nick Sirianni a little uncomfortable, like, do I stick with my run game and milk the clock? Obviously, we're down a possession or two. Or do I try to pick up the tempo a little bit and try to be more aggressive? And if he gets a turnover, and like obviously the Eagles don't turn the ball over a lot. But if we get that one, if you get down two possessions, Chris, it could – like you said, if it gets over 30, I don't know if they really want to play those kind of games with the tempo that our offense can score at. Right. And with the way the defense is playing right now, too, which Especially it's, just a, it's just a proven thing, too, man. Like, as as great as Jalen is and it, it, the second, you know, best player in the league this year, mm-hmm. she still had to do Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow first, like, which are, <laughs> you know, third and sixth or seventh best quarterbacks in the league. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, you can't, like, put them over those guys. Absolutely. Right, right. Absolutely. And so, like, comparing to Daniel Jones and nobody, like, it's just <laughs> the, the the preparation to get there, I think, favors the Chiefs' defense a little bit more, too. So, yeah. No, I think if the Chiefs get over 30, it, it's going to be very difficult for the for the Eagles to win. It's a, I would say this. It's a – both sides of the ball have a tougher matchup. I think that it's it's easier for the Chiefs defense to stop the run more so than it would be for the Eagles defense to slow down Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Both yeah. both challenges will be very tough. Oh yeah. But which one if you had to go on the meter, like which one's like a higher degree of difficulty? I would think the Chiefs stopping a run would probably be a lower degree because not saying it won't be easy, but get a couple TFLs, miss a block here or there, shoot a gap, get them behind the sticks, or slow down this Ferrari number fifteen. Right. Like Especially when we've seen what Pat Mahomes does when he has protection. So if you give him any kind of time to make a play, high ankle sprain or not, 15 finds a way to get it done, man. And I think it's going to come down to quarterback play, like Chris said. And I don't trust nobody more than 15. Give him two weeks to get ready, too. And you think Andy Reid doesn't want this? All right. <laughs> right. It's going to be a hell of a ball game. I, it's be a great game, man. Just, uh, you know, like, so Monday night recording this, and I'm already like – Work's gonna. It's gonna be a long week of work. Like I'm sure it's gonna be for most. You got you some gear, man. I copped a couple Super Bowl jerseys today, Chris. Ooh, man, always looking good, man. man. But I'm not wearing it though. Can't wear it. Nope. We gotta finish the job first. Can't wear it. Can't wear it. That's my one rule. Well, that's my what I do. I don't wear the gear until after the game. Do I? Should I? I've been flipping. So I got this. I got a Mahomes jersey that my parents got me for Christmas. Shout out to my parents. Shout I've out worn a couple times, and then I've got my old my Travis Kelsey. Um. It's my my armed forces jersey that I've been wearing. Which one am I, should I rock for the Super Bowl? I'm wearing what I wore last week. My exact that was same the Mahomes outfit. one. That was the Mahomes one. So keep it going. Rock, keep rocking with Mahomes jersey. Keep it going. All right. I'm wearing, I had my Travis Kelsey jersey on last week, so I'm wearing it again. I'm not changing. Hey, it I'm, I'm I look good in that armed forces one though, man. You that, look that good, was, buddy. I bet you do. Colors eighty-seven looks better on me too than fifteen. But you know that's that's not. Yeah, you know, I'm a little little bigger guy. The way you know sometimes that, that big number looks better. But okay, we'll, we'll rock fifteen this week. We'll rock fifteen. Keep it going, man. I would advise Chief Keenan whatever you did last week, do it again. Food routine, <laughs> whatever socks you wore, do it again. Sit in the same spot. Don't change that. There you go. Job not finished, man. We got one more, y'all. One more, baby. One more. One more. All right. Hey, CJ, where can the good people find you, my man? They can definitely find me on Twitter. Follow me at CGZ81. That's C-J-E-E-Z-Y-81. My DMs are open for any conversation, talks. You want to talk betting. You want to talk gambling slips. You want to talk uh, matchups this week, film breakdowns. I'm always available. Definitely follow our page at AftermathKC. And please give it up for Chris. All those fancy videos and all those creative 
clips y'all be seeing on TikTok. That is all Chris. That is not me. I just be talking on there. Chris is the mastermind. He's done a great job, man. And Chris, where can the great people follow you for all this amazing content that you post for us? Hey, man, you know, like you said, it's, it's, I post that stuff to the aftermath. I don't post that to my, to my page. I want to the author, guys. The, the, the aftermath is for, for the Chiefs fans, you know. My, my contact at, at 10penny88. Even even this week, there's still some baseball time filtered in there, so I don't I don't make you guys go follow that when you're looking for. Royals got the powder blues, Chris. They got the powder blues this year. Hey, hey, you know what? Monday Monday or Monday or Tuesday is when pitchers and catchers report trading. That's all. It's kind of overlap. But anyway, this is football stuff. If you if you if you're enjoying the content, please give us a follow at, at aftermath underscore KC. Um, we even got Sky to like that that video, man. Let's Sky. Go, like, Sky. So uh, getting getting at least seen a little bit, but again, as always, we appreciate the support. Um, and we have a blast doing this, even you know, even though it's coming to an end with one more game, maybe. <laughs> more man, we're so close, Chiefs Kingdom. Job's not finished. We got one more man. I expect to see all of you next week. Job's not one, finished. One more man. We got one more. We're so close. Oof. We'll talk. We'll talk to you next time. Go Chiefs. <laughs>